just bow our heads together our gracious heavenly father what other word could we use how great thou art not one of us Lord could stand in your presence Lord and hold any merit father it's called your unmerited grace and it's sovereign Lord it's unlimited, Father. Lord, how we love you so much. What else could be fit for a King of kings and Lord of lords but just to lift your name on high and say hallelujah. Praise be to our God. Father, it just reminds me of the song I can only imagine. What would it be like to stand before you? Would I sing? Would I just be still? Would I just look into those eyes? Would I fall on my face? Lord, I don't know. But Lord, this one thing I do know that I love you. Lord, and there isn't a soul in this building that wouldn't say, Lord, I just want to be there. I want the opportunity to stand before you, Lord. I want the opportunity, Lord, to hear those words, well done. Lord, I want to do everything I can to get there. As Brother Reyes said, only perfect love can enter there. Lord, it wasn't his words. That's the words of your prophet, Lord, who entered over to that side. Only perfect love. Fill our cups, Lord Jesus. Rid our hearts of anything other than that, Lord. Father, it just be you living and flowing through a people. That, Lord, we could truly be your bride. We don't look at it as cliche, Lord, but Father, we want to be flesh of your flesh, bone of your bone, spirit of your spirit, Lord. Father, that we'd be a spoken word, bride. That as you are, so shall we be. Lord, we just commit this service to you. Lord, you're already here. We stand in your presence. What a great moment, Lord. Anything could happen right here, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that we just surrender ourselves, each one. We lift our hearts in faith, Lord, knowing that you're the healer. You're the deliverer. You're the Savior. You're the King and you're the Lord. So, Father, we give you all the preeminence tonight in the name of your Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, Brother Ray. Sister Hannah, God bless your heart. Let's take our Bibles together. I have just a very simple thought that 
I didn't know how the Lord was going to take it, but it's starting to take shape. Let's turn to John chapter 21. Actually, let's start in Jeremiah. Let's go back to Jeremiah chapter 23. I want to just take a simple title that the title would be God of Every Moment. I just want to speak that to you and encourage you tonight. He's the God of every moment. And in Jeremiah chapter 23, and we'll start in verse 20, 22. We'll read from 22 down to 24, Brother Dan. I'm sorry, I think I gave you the wrong scripture there, but. It says, but if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they should have turned from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. It says, am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God, a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. Amen. Let's turn over to John chapter 21. Maybe it seems strange I would just switch them around, but I, I thought maybe I'd keep you standing a little longer. I have to stand, so John chapter 11, I apologize, John chapter 11. You're not going to find the story of Lazarus in John chapter 21. Amen. John chapter 11 and verse 21. There we go. It says, Then said Martha unto Jesus. We all know the story of how it happened. And they came to him and he just kept on walking away. He said, I was glad for your sakes. You know, and he says, This isn't unto death. You know, they, 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 they maybe took that as he's going to come and heal him, but that wasn't the case. It wouldn't end in death. Death ain't the end. But he says, and then said Martha, after when Jesus come, and Martha went unto him, and then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, in this moment, I know that even now, Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Amen. We know there was someone else that said that. That was Peter. He said, Who do you say I am? He said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. And I don't believe that Martha looked at it and thought, This is flesh and blood that revealed it. But it was something in her heart that sunk deep. And she said, I know. She'd sat at the feet of Jesus long enough. 
She was the one that when Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, then she said, why don't you tell her to come help me? I'm busy about doing these things. Why is Mary always? He says, but Mary's chosen the good things. She's chosen the right path. She knows the things that are important. I'm sure from that time on, though the Bible, I don't think records, but from that time on, Martha realized, I better go sit at the feet of Jesus. And something in just staying in the word of Jesus, just listening to that word, caught a hold of her that she said, I know. Amen. I know that thou art the Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. But when she had, said, had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. Let's jump down to save time to verse 39. And also, I don't want to wear out your feet. Verse 39, and it says this, And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Amen. Take ye away the stone. That's been preached on many times. He says, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, the same Martha said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, and therefore he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Amen. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot in grave clothes, and his face was bound upon with a napkin, about with a napkin. And Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Amen. May the Lord have his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. I want to just take the thought really tonight, not only from Jeremiah, but also from John 11 and verse 40, that we read there where Jesus said unto them, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. It wasn't just for Martha. It wasn't just for Mary. Those words still ring true today. They're still just as real today as the scripture says, as Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. That if you would believe, if you could just believe, he said, say unto this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea, and don't doubt in your heart. It shall obey you. If my words abide in you, amen, and you abide in me, and my words abide in you, then you can ask whatever you will, and it shall be done. Amen. There's many scriptures like that, but what is he speaking of? He's saying that, that it's not just something that was just for the disciples or just for William Brown, but it's the same God today. And he said, if you can believe, you too could see the glory of God. He said, well, I've seen God do this. I've seen God do that. I want to say something to you tonight. Are you satisfied with that? Or are you saying, Lord, I want to see more? You're the God of every moment. Not just the God of yesterday and the God that delivered me from that and the God that delivered me from this. But you're the same God today. You're still the God of this moment right here and right now. Amen. He says this in the future home. Brother Branham would say a very show quote. He says, knowing that we don't have too much longer to do this. This is right in the beginning. I think this is paragraph 10 or so. And he says that we don't have too much longer to do this. We're coming to the very closing hours. And he said, I want to make every moment count. 
I say amen to that. I want to make every moment count. I don't want to be just, well, this one doesn't matter. Monday morning doesn't matter. Sunday night's not as important. Wednesday night, no. Every moment needs to matter because we're stepping from this time into eternity. We're standing right at the brink of time. We're standing right at the close and we can say greater than ever before. We don't know how long we have to sit here. We don't know how long these church doors will be open. We don't know how long before they close it in the name of health or whatever they want to call it. It's fine. But we don't know how long. But one thing we do know is we want to make every moment count. Hey, man, I trust to you, church hasn't become a common thing. That it's become just a competition to get in. But when you're here, make it count. Praise the Lord. When you're here, there's a purpose in being in church. It's to be in the presence of the Almighty God. It's so that He could come down and He could show you that He's the God of your situation today. Hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Samuel. Let's just spend a bit of time talking about David. I told my son that I'd preach about David and Goliath tonight, so I need to keep my word. So 1 Samuel chapter 17. He asked me yesterday, he said, you know, nobody ever preaches about David and Goliath. Will you preach about it? I said, I don't know, but here we are. I told him as I was getting him dressed for church, and I said, I'm going to preach about David and Goliath. So you pay attention, Landon. This is for you. Amen. Amen. I just want to tell you tonight, I don't know about you, but I, I'm ready to just hit the devil hard tonight. <laughs> He's done said some things this week that I'm sick of him. I don't know about you, but I put up with enough. That's not to get emotion going. That's to help you go with me on this and put the devil on notice tonight. God is the God of every moment. I'm not giving a moment over to the devil and say, all right, you, go, well, you won this time. He doesn't have a winning. He was defeated at Calvary. It's been over for him ever since. He doesn't have a moment. There is no more. This is my moment for the devil. It's all the God's moment. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 1. We know the story very well, but we'll just rehearse it because it's very good to remind ourselves. The devil, he's not just a bluff. He's a big bluff. And it says, the Philistines gathered together their armies to do battle. And verse 2 says, and Saul and the man of Israel were gathered together. They pitched in the valley of Elah to battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on, stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He was a big bluff. He didn't come out, he didn't charge, he didn't get his guys around him and say, let's go. he just come out so far. And a matter of fact, we keep reading the scripture records, he even had a shield bearer go before him. He was a bit of a big coward. He with me. He come out to challenge, say, send one man out, because I'm bigger than any one man. So send one man out. I want to take on one guy. He was just a bluff. But the army of Saul didn't recognize this at the time. But it says that in the Philistines stood, and we, we know down, down to verse 5, that's where we are. Sorry, this screen isn't working, so I don't know where we are half the time. Verse 5 says, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he had learned, he, had, he was armed with a coat of mail that weighed, the coat was about 5,000 shekels of brass, and he had a greaves of brass upon his legs. He had a brass on upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. There we go. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders and a staff of, for his, 
of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. Amen. And he stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel and said unto them, Why are ye come to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye, and ye servants of Saul? Choose you a man of you to come and let him come down and fight me. If he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be my servants. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Now, I just want to say, the devil's a dumb devil. That verse is where he made his mistake. It was all right that he came out and made his boast and his challenge, but when he started to come, he said, I defy. He wasn't coming against Israel. He wasn't coming against Saul. He was saying, I defy God. I defy the armies of the living God. That's where the dumb devil is. He's not coming against you. He's come against God. He didn't just come against the queen, he come against the king. Because the queen is a part of the king, and he thought he could get in between there, but he can't get in between there. Yeah. And we find that now, that the, that the Philistine began to defy it, and then Saul and all Israel, verse 11, heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. But now David was the son of the, that Ephratite. The ben of Bethlehem, Judea. I'm trying to put those two words together in one. It says, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. And the man and the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. Jesse was old at this point. It says, and the, and the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to battle. So they were already there. And the name of the three sons that went were the first was Eliab, the firstborn, and next was Abinadab, uh, and the third was Shammah. And, and, and David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. So I want you to think about that for a moment. There was three older ones that were following him, so there was four in between there that were still at home. So it wasn't that David was the only choice to send down. No, Jesse chose David to go down. Think about it. You might be looking around and saying, there's somebody better than me. There's all these people that are, uh, that are all around me. Why can't they do the job? No, God sent you to do a job. And when God sent you to do a job, he did it for a purpose. He might have sent the youngest of these, of these eight sons down, and there was three older ones who were already there, but there was four in the middle that he didn't even look at. He just sent David. Now, David, you might have been looking after the sheep, but I'm sending you to go take this down to there. I'm sending you for a purpose. Amen. God had a purpose in all of it. Amen. And David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near the morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captains and their, and their thousands. And he took the brethren. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel which were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host, of, of, uh, as, as the host was going forth to the battle and shouted for the battle. Hey man, I, that's, that's really what I want to do tonight. I just want to come to your trench. Wherever you're at tonight, I want to come and help you out in your trench. And whatever we can do, God send me tonight. Okay? He could have had Brother Max. He could have had Brother Moses. He could have had Brother Ed take two services. I'm sure he had plenty of, on his plate for two. But I'm sure he could have done that. But for some reason, I'm sitting here. So I'm coming to your trench. 
All right, so we're in this together. Amen. And it said that for Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hands of the keeper of the carriage. In other words, that wasn't his job. He had a different job. He said, and he ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion of the Philistines of Gath. Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. Amen. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were so afraid. And the man of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel that he has come up? And it shall be that the man that killeth him and the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Oh, something perked David's interest there. I don't know if he was trying to get married or something. Or if he was interested in his father's house going free, but something perked him up. He said, Hold on a second, what'd you say? That's very nice. For David spake unto the man, saying, What will be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. See, David had the revelation. All the other ones, they were running, saying, They're defying me, they're defying me. David said, They ain't defying you, he's defying God. He made a mistake. He didn't come against you, he's come against God. Amen. And it says, and the people answered him after that manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard. And he spake unto the man. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why comest thou down hither? And with, with, and, 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 and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, that thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. Oh my, there was someone wanting to kick David out of his trench. I like this next verse. Any younger sibling can identify with this next verse. David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? In other words, he says, what's it to you? Now let me just get this straight. This is a younger sibling here. He's coming in and he's got a purpose in being there. His purpose is to bring food and things to to his brothers and to their captain and things. He's got a purpose. But, But in all of that, he looks at his brother and says, what's it to you, man? Get off my back. That's essentially what he's saying. Get off my back. I'm here for a purpose. I'm trying to find something else. Something else has perked my interest. I'm down here for a purpose. I've recognized this man's defined the armies of the living God. Why ain't you doing something about it? So you get off my back because I'm going to go do something about it. He says, and he turned from him toward another. Hallelujah. He didn't get all caught up in it. He just went to the next trench. So if you kick me out of your trench tonight, I'll just go to the next trench. That's all right. He says, and they spake the same manner, and they spake the same manner, and the people answered him again in the former manner. He asked them, hey, what's this? What's going to happen? And they answered him the same way. Yeah, you could get Mike to get his daughter. You could get your family free. You'll be wealthy. He's like, sounds good. Then David said to Saul, because we know in verse 31, it says, the words were heard which David were rehearsed before Saul. And he sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. 
And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. I just want to encourage you, young people, this is often how it is when you start doing something for God. And you start stepping out, your older brother or some older person says, what do you think you're doing? And then you get brought up, you finally get over that. Somebody else says, hey, you're not going to do this. You're not able, but there's something in your heart pulling you to stand out and stand for God. Then stand for God. Don't worry about what everyone else is saying. Just worry about God, you called me to take a stand on your word to do what was right. Hallelujah. Now, if it's against the word, don't stand on that. Maybe you ought to listen to your elder. But if you're standing for what's truth and what's on the word and what's in the message, don't let anyone else despise your youth. Hallelujah. Since thou art not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, but thou art but a youth. And this man, this be a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. Amen. I imagine a young man saying that with a little bit of pride. He's not saying it, well, you know, I'm just a shepherd. No, he says, I kept my father's sheep. I kind of resonated with Saul a little bit. Yeah, I used to be a shepherd. He used to be, back before he was king. He was out there, he was a shepherd. He was out looking for his, his lost donkeys when Samuel got a hold of him. But now, Saul... And David, David says to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and devoured it out of, and, and, and delivered, not devoured, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Amen. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. See? Seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. He keeps bringing that up over and over. Let me say, when something's real to you, it just keeps coming up over and over. So would you just quit saying that? No, this is my revelation. I got to keep bringing it up over and over and over again. He's realizing God was God with the bear. God was God with the lion. And God's still God in this moment too. God doesn't change. God's not something you switch on and switch back off again. He's there wherever you would call. So I'll be with you even in you, even to the end of the world. Hallelujah. He goes on, says, I servants slew them both. And David said, moreover, the Lord, now he brings something into it. The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. And he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with you. Hallelujah. Well, let's stop that there, but here we find what, what, a, what a fantastic story of a young man that maybe the world would look at and say, he's naive. What does he think he is? Eliab, we had that example. Who do you think you are? I know the naughtiness of your heart. I know you're just a proud young guy. You think you're somebody because Samuel came down and anointed you? Oh, yeah, but he knew where he was standing. Oh, my We'll just stop preaching service right there. When you know that you've been anointed by God, when you got the Holy Ghost in your heart, it doesn't matter anymore.
anymore what everybody else has to say. You know exactly where you're standing. You can say, I know whom I have believed. And if God before me, who can be against me? There is no weapon that is formed against me. Oh, and there's been some big ones formed, but they shall not prosper. Hallelujah. Why? Because there's an anointing that goes with the Holy Spirit that is something within you welling up. You can't stop it. To the outside, it looks foolish. Why? Because the ways of God always look foolish to man. But the ways of man sure look foolish to God. Hallelujah. David had a lot going against him. There was nobody except for Saul after Saul convinced him, or after he convinced Saul that he was able to do it. Even then, if we kept reading down, you'd find out that what did Saul do? He said, yeah, going up, the Lord be with you and my armor. Let me give you my helmet. Let me give you my shield. Let me give you my sword. You're going to need all these things. And he went out a little ways. He said, but no, this ain't my revelation. This ain't my anointing. I need my anointing. This worked for you, Saul, and praise the Lord for what God's done in your life, but it's not for me. I need to stand in what God's showing me to stand in. Hallelujah. He recognized that God isn't something you just turn on when it's convenient. Well, Sunday morning, it's convenient to, to stand for God. It's convenient to look good in church. You get up and say amen. No, it's convenient all the time. He didn't realize that. He realized, listen, I need to recognize that God is with me wherever I go. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. So wherever I put them, I'm just going to realize that's my possession. Because footsteps is possession, so if I'm going to keep walking, and if God's appointing those footsteps, I'm realizing God is giving me that ground. Hallelujah. He's the God of every moment. What could a giant do that a bear couldn't do, that a lion couldn't do? Oh, he was a man. He was smart. He had all these great weapons. But my God. (laughs) The Branham says in Micah the prophet, he says, Now be of good courage. Have faith in God. Christ has not left us. Don't be offended. He said, If he promised it, he will do it. He's right on time. Just exactly. He's right on schedule every moment. Hallelujah. We're going to say with, 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 with Lazarus, my, it looked like he was four days late. It looked like he was way too late. On our schedule, it was not the right moment. But to God, he was the God of every moment. He was in control right from the beginning when they came and said, Lazarus is sick, please come. God was in control from that moment all the way onwards. This sickness isn't until death. I let this sickness. Oh, my. There was a sickness that came up before me. and said, let me go down and get in Lazarus. Let me try Lazarus. And he let him go down. Think about it. That's the way it was with, with, with Micah and the, and, the, and the prophets. And he said, I saw a lying spirit come up before God and say, let me go down and get in their mouth. See, nothing can happen to you but what God first allows. Why? Because he's got to have a conference with God to come and say, listen, do you mind if I go down? I'd like to sure try brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. I'd like to do this. And God says, sure, yeah, sure, go ahead. And he really thought he had Lazarus. Say, I got him this time, but God knows I'm in control. This sickness is not going to stop at death. He says, he's right on schedule every moment. He says, I feel tonight is my night that I'm going to get healed. Don't worry. He's right on schedule. You just stay on schedule. And you believe that it's your night. 
This is it. Praise be to God. That's what God's waiting on. You can say, listen, we say, Brother, Rab, Brother Andrew, Brother Branham's not here to pray for me and we have a prayer line. No, there's a time when I got to go here Brother Branham says, I wish I didn't call a prayer line. Because the faith is so great in this building, anything can happen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. That was a history. That was the faith of the people. He said, I didn't even need to call this prayer line. You can have it right where you are. Hallelujah. Let's go over to the book of Esther. Book of Esther chapter 4. Verse 10. It's gone on a decree that the Jews would be killed on a certain day, a certain month, a certain day. In verse 10 it says, And again Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death except such to the whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live, but I have not been called to come in unto the king these 30 days. Oh my. Think about that attitude. She doesn't realize what she has. To her, she says, I haven't been called. She didn't recognize that when he called her to be his wife, he called her. You didn't need another call. You didn't need another invitation. I called you back then. You're a part of me. You're my wife. I'm going to put you up as the queen, of, the queen of my kingdom. You have a special place. But to her, she says, he hasn't called me these 30 days. And he told, and they told the Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall, there, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Oh my, I love that faith. If you won't do it, someone else is going to do it. If you aren't going to take God's calling, God's going to step up somebody to do that job. Amen. And he says, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time, for such a moment as this? How do you don't know that this is the moment that God wants to prove to you that he's still God? And it says, and Esther bade them return, Mordecai, this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye with me, neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. Now, if you want a revelation, it's not a bad way to do it. Get real on your face before God. It might not be fasting and praying for three days, but if you want to get to know God, get on your face before God. Really cry out to God. He says, and, 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 and I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and, 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 and so will I go in, into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish... I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did, uh, did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Oh my. What a thought. 
And Esther began to recognize, say, well, if this is my moment, then this is my moment. God's great symphony has been going on, but if this is my moment, I don't want to miss it. So just fast and pray with me for these three days. Let me do everything I can to be sure that God is with me. Brother Branham says that if you become a real Christian, every moment you're wondering, am I pleasing to the Lord? If I could hear from him. He says if it puts you on tension, it puts you on guard like tension. And he says that's what makes you what you are. So after all, tension is a blessing. Huh? That's quite a thought. Tension is a blessing. You say, I don't like tension between. But he says it puts you on tension, not between you and your brother, but between you and your soul. They say, Lord, am I pleasing to you? Is this pleasing to you? Is that pleasing to you? Am I walking pleasing to you, Lord? And he says, it's, it's just the way you're looking at it. It's just the way you're looking at it. See, if you just look from the other side, instead of looking from the flesh side and saying, God, this is so hard. How can this be so hard? Look at it from the soul and begin to realize, Lord, this tension is good because it's bringing me closer to you. That was exactly how it was for Esther. She recognized this tension she was under. What was it doing? It was driving her closer to God. She had the easiest of lives. She was the queen in the palace. Every promise in the book is hers. Every chapter, every verse, every line. When I get sick, I just claim it. When I just do this, it's just wonderful. But now, lives are at stake. Now everything is on the line. And it brought a certain tension where she began. What did it do to her? She didn't run away and say, no, 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 let somebody else raise up. No, she said, oh, God, let me draw close to you. I want to tell you, there's some tension rising up around the world. There's some uncertainty going around. What is it doing for you? Is it driving you away from God? Say, oh God, I just want to run away and hide. Who can hide from God in the secret place? He's the one that fills the whole earth and all of heaven. He knows. The next chapter in, in the book of Esther, chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel stood in the inner courts of the king's house over against the king's house, and the king sat upon the royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so that when the king saw that Esther the queen standing in the court, and she obtained favor in his sight. Hallelujah. That she obtained favor in his sight, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Oh, so Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Then said the king unto her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? And what is thy request? It shall be even given thee to the half of the kingdom. Don't you see what comes when you just get real with God? When she just got on her knees and began to fast, and she began to pray, and she put on all her best apparel, she put on all the robes of righteousness she'd ever got to that point. She put on everything she had. She came into the presence of Almighty. She came to her that was the king of kings. That was Artaxerxes or Ahasuerus. Where she came unto his presence. And now she comes and he begins to implore unto her some revelation. Esther, anything up to half my kingdom. What do you want? What a relief. (laughs) Oh my. And Esther answered. 
I just love this chapter. So if it's good unto the king, let the king and Haman come this day unto the banquet that I have prepared for him. You know, that's the way it is when you get in the presence of God. You forget all about why you were there. She was there. She fasted for three days. She had a conversation with Mordecai in the gate, back and forth and back and forth. Why are you in sackcloth and ashes? I'm in for this reason. If you don't do it, someone else is going to do it. Then fast and pray with me. And they finally come down. And now she's come to this moment where finally she comes before the king. Anything up to half my kingdom, I'll give you anything. And she just says, uh, come for dinner. That's the way it is when you get in the presence of Almighty God. You get in prayer and you got all these needs and all these burdens in your heart. But when he comes down, it's just, Hallelujah. God, how great thou art. And the king said, cause Haman to make haste. Oh, my. And, and that he may do as Esther has, has said. So the king, oh, that, that little statement right there is so precious. <laughs> cause Haman to make haste so that he can do as Esther has said. This wasn't what I said to. This is what Esther said to. He's got to listen to the queen. And do it quickly. And he says, so the king and Haman came to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the king said unto Esther that the banquet of wine, what is thy, what is thy petition? And it shall be granted unto thee. And what is thy request? Even up to the half of my kingdom it shall be performed. Then Esther had said, my petition and my request is, if I have found favor in thy sight of the king, and if it please the king. Oh, she's under tension right now. She said, Lord, just let me be pleasing to you. If I'm pleasing to you, then just let let the king and Haman come to a banquet that I shall prepare for them that I will do tomorrow. As in, and then I shall tell tomorrow as the king has said. Oh, she's enjoyed it so much and the king has enjoyed it so much. He didn't say, oh man, this was such a drag. Really? We got to do this again? No, he says, yeah, I like that. We'll come again. Oh my. I want you just to look for a moment at the attitude change. I want us to recognize that she had a special place. Her relationship with the king was not according to whatever he desired or what she thought he desired. She was the queen of the kingdom. Oh, she had direct access any moment of the day. She was welcome into his innermost court. There was no day that he was going to say, what are you doing here? Get out. No, she was welcome in his innermost court. I believe that with all my heart. It wasn't just a special day that he happened to be in a good mood. No, God had to put her in such a place so that she had direct access right into the court of the king. And he desired to dine with her. It wasn't just that she desired that she was caught up in his presence. But he was so happy. He said, just, Haman, you listen to her and do whatever she says because I'm going to a banquet. Think about this. My, if I hadn't seen my wife in 30 days, I'd be ready to go and dine with her. She just said, I haven't been in the king's presence. For, I haven't been called for 30 days. And now it's three more days. So 33 days. He's probably sitting on the throne going, where's my queen? I chose her. She found favor in my sight, and she means the world to me. Where is she? 
Do I have to call her? Do I have to push her everywhere and make her do everything? (laughs) See where I'm going with that? (laughs) Oh my, when Brother Brandon was driving and finally after the seals were revealed and he's driving back from the north and he's coming back from hunting and and he's he's just in such a depression and finally he began to realize, Lord, you've had to push me into everything. I'm sorry. That was my bad. Here I am waiting for you to push me and pull me and drag me and do this and do that. When you're just, you've given me your word. I'll go out and preach you with everything I got. What am I thinking? Oh my. He was pleased. It put a whole new mindset into Esther. Before that, she had the thoughts of a concubine that whenever the king's pleased to see me, he'll call for me. And other than that, I can't come into his presence. But that wasn't the place of the wife. The queen. Oh my, but when the revelation of who she was came in, then her desire was the king's delight. Now she just wanted to be with him every moment. Just come again for dinner. Just come again for dinner. Don't let this stop. I'm enjoying this. I've seen you yesterday. I've seen you today. I want to see you again tomorrow. Praise be to God, when you really get an anointing of who you are and you recognize your place in Jesus Christ, you get in his presence on Sunday and you say, Lord, this ain't good enough. I'm ready for tomorrow. Lord, come again on Tuesday. Come again on Wednesday. Come again on Thursday. I want to see you every day. I want to dine with you. I want to sup with you. Hallelujah. Don't ever get discouraged. You say, oh God, I don't have the time to pray. I don't have the time to do it right. But the desire is there to say, oh God, I want to be with you. It's a sign you've been with him at least once. Oh, if you ever get in the presence of God for a moment, it'll change you so much. Think about Moses for a minute. My, just the most fearful, timid man out there, out there in the desert, running from Pharaoh, running from his commission, running from his call. But when he got in the presence of Jehovah just for five minutes... There was another shepherd, God's great prophet, shepherds. We find that he left all of that. Sheep aren't going to come around where fire are. Fire is. The sheep weren't interested in going there. He was a shepherd. He had a responsibility to look after those sheep, but he realized something's more important here. I might have this little job over here, but there's something going on. i got to find out what's going on. Hallelujah. When you really get a hold of God, you might say, listen, I got a nine-to-five job Monday to Friday. All of a sudden, that takes a whole lot less importance. Say, well, I got this going on. I I even got a family. I got kids depending on me. All of that takes a little bit less importance when you realize God is in control. All I got to do is lean on him, and he's willing and able. Oh, my, if you can't provide for your family, you're worse than an infidel. God will provide for them. If you'll stand on his word. Hallelujah. Say, well, should we all just be a bunch of lazy people, quit our jobs? No, not for a moment. We got to give them over to God and say, God, what am I here for? Why do I have this job? Who am I supposed to meet on this job? Is this just to provide or is this for a purpose? Is there someone here that's got to get saved? Oh my, it changed your thinking. You forget about even the tension. You forget about the fear. You want nothing more than to do it again and again and again. Oh my. God's presence is, is addicting. Even Brother Brandon was in his presence over and over and never got used to it. 
He never quite got used to it. He was still, every time the angel of the Lord would come, it was a fearful thing. He never quite got used to it. Even in all the, the presence of God that he was in, and he'd stand there with the angel of God right beside him, and he'd stand there, and there'd be discernment and all these things going on. But still, he wasn't used to it. But yet, it's addicting. When it's gone, and it's away. It's like, oh, God, I just need the next time. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, my. Satan's got his impersonations of that. It's called drugs. He's got his impersonations trying to get the people on the high. That's in the spirit realm, in the mind. They got their high on that, but there's something on the, in the soul. <laughs> That's where God chose. And you could be on a high in your soul. You could be drunk on new wine every day. Oh, my. You don't need no Alcoholics Anonymous because it ain't anonymous. It's a proud thing. I got drunk yesterday. I got drunk today. I got drunk the next day. I got drunk the day after that. And you can call me by my first name and my last name. I don't need to be anonymous because it's not drunk on this thing of the devil and that thing of the devil. It's drunk on the new wine, the stimulation of revelation in the word of God. Hallelujah. Esther was thinking like a drunk woman. My, she had something that she needed to get. She needed the the lives of her people, but there was something in her mind that she was so intoxicated. I just want to be with you. Oh, hallelujah. You're acting crazy. Good. Brother Branham says, this is a great moment. If God's here, when you get in the presence of Almighty God, he'd come down at the end of the service. He'd say, this is a great moment. This moment will seal the destiny, your destination, no doubt, of many. One soul is worth 10,000 worlds. How great is this moment? How great is the moment when we come in the presence of God, when you have an opportunity to give your life to Christ, when you have an opportunity to step up for him. One soul is worth 10,000 worlds. There is no business deal that stacks up to that. And men will study their whole life. They'll take degrees. They'll take all kinds of things, and they'll make contacts with clients just to get to that one deal where they can make billions of dollars, where they can make millions of dollars, and they'll base their whole life on that. But what about this moment? It's worth 10,000 worlds over and over and over and over and over and over again for every one of you. Oh, God, this is a great moment. This is a moment that it might mean the difference between life and death for many people. It might be that this moment that we're, we're coming to someone's setting could be in a critical and might eternally separate themselves from God tonight. Someone listening in, someone sitting here, I don't know where you're at. But there might be one that would be in a critical place that would become a believer and to have eternal life. God is the God of every moment. When Esther was in his presence of the king, nothing else mattered to her but him. Amen. Nothing else was important. You say, oh, Haman was there. Yeah. Lives were hanging in the balance. Her people were being threatened by one that was sitting right there with her. And she recognized that she had access to full authority and power. There wasn't nothing Haman could do as long as the king that she had, as long as she had delight in the delight of the king. There wasn't one thing that Haman could do until the king gave him permission. Oh my, think about this moment and this feast. There at this feast was the convicted yet innocent queen. There sat the accuser and there sat the deliverer. All three of them sat around the table. Sounds an awful lot to me like every time I go on my knees in prayer. 
It's not just that God just shows up and it's not just that the devil shows up. But when you go before God in prayer, oh my, the accuser of the brethren is quick to be there to remind you of all your faults. To remind you of every reason why he thinks that God will not answer your prayer. And there you are, you're the accused. He's the accuser of the brethren, therefore that makes you the accused. And you're the queen of heaven. See the picture it paints. But you're innocent by the blood of Jesus. And just with the two of you there, perhaps there's a war going on, but then when Jesus comes, then there's a third one that's sitting there, that there's the deliverer. And if you could just get the revelation of who Jesus Christ is to you, the whole becomes a lot easier. Oh my, when you have a need, no matter how bad it is, no matter how hopeless it seems, I'm going to say when the weakest Christian gets on their knees to pray, the gates of hell begin to shake and tremble. They begin to get scared. There begins to be a conference down in hell. Who are we going to send? How are we going to fight against this? And they begin to come to torment you, to say things, to bring up things of the past. Why? Because they're terrified. The devil's not doing that because he just pleases punch. No, he's terrified. I imagine Haman is sitting there at that feast. He's not thinking about all of the things of that, the delicacies and, and all how great the king is. He's thinking about Mordecai. He's got gallows on his mind. He's got Mordecai on his mind. He's got all these other things he's tormented by on his mind. And he's sitting there completely distracted. And he, oh my, and then all of a sudden there comes these words. Oh my. Find it in Esther chapter 7. Verse 1. This is where finally the king and Haman come back for another feast. He says, so the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther, the queen, and the king said again unto Esther on the second day of the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? And it shall be granted. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of my kingdom. Then Esther, the queen, answered and said, If I have found favor. Oh my. That attitude never leaves a real believer. Lord, if I found favor in your sight, if I'm just walking pleasing to you, would you hear me? My heart doesn't condemn me, therefore I have confidence before God. She says, if I found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. I imagine at this point, Haman looks up from his wine. What did she just say? Oh my. You ought to never be terrified when you're on your knees praying. Because as soon as you start to say, Our Father who art in heaven, he starts going, what, what, what did he just say? He just call him Father. Lead us not into temptation, Lord. 
devil hates that. Why do you think Jesus, God himself walking on earth, taught us pray like this? He was tempted the devil. He overcame the devil by the word of God. He knows, and Brother Harold said it many times, when you get on your knees in prayer, just remind God of his word. It doesn't just remind God of his word, but it terrifies the devil because the devil believes that word too because he knows it's, it's true. So when you begin to come into his prayer, say, oh God, you said, you said all things work together for good. And I believe I'm a part of your bride, therefore you called me. You chose me, and you called me, and you chose me according to your purpose, and I love you. Yeah. Oh, my. Satan hates that. I told you I was out after the devil tonight. I'm sick of his tactics. If we just get a revelation of who Jesus Christ is to us personally. As I said, when you stand, when you got that anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life, you know exactly where you're standing. You know exactly who you are. The revelation of who Jesus is to you, maybe to others, he's some far off God. Maybe to others, they may say that he doesn't care about your trouble. Or to others, his laws and commandments are too much of a burden. It's too unbearable in their backslidden state. To others, maybe he's too busy for your problems. And maybe they think he's too busy for their problems, but not to you. Not to you. For the bride of Christ, he's never too busy. Hallelujah. Think about it. Esther came into the innermost court. There was court going on. There was problems coming before the king. And he was handing out judgment and there were things happening. But when Esther came in, he said, stop it all. Make haste. Tell Haman, let's get the move on. Do exactly what Esther said do. My queen has made a request, and it's more important than all these other troubles in the world. Like Martha, when she caught a revelation of who Jesus was, it welled up in her in faith. Roll away the stone. Something got a hold of her. She said, oh, God, she sticks it. Did not I say, if you would believe, you'll see the glory of God. And I say to you, church tonight, did not he say that if you would believe, you will see the glory of God. Oh my, it'll cause something to rise up in you and say, Satan! I want to put him on notice tonight. Satan! Stand still! And see the power of the living God. We adjure you to stand off of the people of God. Let God display his power in the Jesus name tonight. I say to you, I challenge every one of you, every man in here, every woman, whatever your need is, whatever you have, if you've been crippled, you got deaf, you got dumb, you got blind, you got sickness, you got COVID in your family, you got whatever you got, whether you're streaming, whether you're sitting here. See, Brother Andrew, I got cancer, I got autism, I got this problem, I got that problem. I challenge you. Are you with me? Say, we need a prayer line. We need Ron Spencer. We need God. He's the same today as he was yesterday. He's the same God in the special meetings as he is tonight. So I say, where's your faith? Say, stand up, Satan, and watch the power of God. Because there's a people tonight are ready to catch a revelation.
Satan, will you have to stand there and watch you rise up? If you're sick or whatever it is, I challenge you, stand up to your feet. There's nobody sick, praise the Lord. If you're being oppressed by the devil, I challenge you, stand up to your feet. If you're being depressed tonight, I challenge you, stand on your feet. If the devil's got you bound up in some fight in your mind, stand up on your feet. If he's trying to take away your promise tonight, stand up on your feet. He's standing right here. I'm telling Satan, stand still and watch. God is here to deliver. It's up to your faith. You need a job tonight. Stand on your feet. You need a wife tonight. Stand on your feet. You need a child tonight. Stand on your feet. You watch the devil stand on the sideline. Rise up in Jesus' name. See the glory of God. Where are you going to stand? Oh, queen, you're not a concubine. You're not one of these denominations. You're not under some creed of dogma, man-made things. You're under the revealed word of the body, word of the Son of Man. You've been feeding on life. God has unveiled himself to you in this last day. He's unveiled himself. He didn't unveil a prophet messenger. He unveiled himself. God himself has come down to deliver you. God himself has come down to heal you. The king didn't send just some of his servants. He didn't just send Haman to the feast. The king came. And the king was delighted to come. Satan, you're dismissed in the name of Jesus. Sir, how he would heal every person here if we just believe at this moment. They should never have to pass through the prayer line. Every person would be made well. The Bible says in other places, you sitting there applying with your hand on your forehead, have faith in God. He's near you. Say, Brother Andrew, you can't see the pillar of fire. No, I can't see the pillar of fire right now, but I can tell you something. He is here because he's the God of every moment. He was God of that moment for David when the Goliath stood up there and he made his boast, but David recognized this is the armies of the living God, and God will deliver him into my hands because it's not my moment. The battle is the Lord's. Oh, hallelujah. You realize that you've got to face an endless eternity. I pray you'll never let this perish. Esther said, if I perish, I perish. The king wouldn't let that happen. That was his queen. You might have to take a step of faith today and say, God, if I perish, I perish. God will not let that happen. You're his queen. Oh my, may this be the time that the eternal God will place his spirit in your heart. I'm just reading quotes to you. For the rest, say what's on the tape. So I'm going to say what's on the tape. That they would receive eternal life and be born anew right now. Right in their seats where they're sitting. He didn't call an altar call. I say to you, COVID might be stopping. Say, well, we don't know if we want to come to the altar. It might have something in your mind. Right where you're sitting. 
God could baptize you with the Holy Ghost. God could deliver you right where you're at. Oh my God, you know our hearts. May it happen this moment. He's the God of this moment. It may be from this hour that you'll be a changed person. Oh my, I can guarantee you from that time on. We don't know an awful lot after that of the story of Esther, but we know that when the king commanded Mordecai, you be hung on those gallows. Oh my, the devil's a dumb devil. He got, he got gallows made. He made this mistake. He said, as soon as those things are ready, you come tell me. He wasn't thinking he'd be there at a feast with Esther and the king. And in comes his servant. Mordecai, Mordecai. Mordecai's busy crying out for his own life. Why? Because it had been revealed that he was the one after the queen. He's crying out before the queen, spare my life. And here comes the servants. His name Mordecai. Mordecai. Uh, uh, the gallows are ready. <laughs> Dumb devil. Bad timing. And the king had already come back in the room. And my, when he ran out those gallows ready, he said, you just take him. You take him. And hang him. I'm going to say it tonight. Whatever's been bothering you. Whatever's that Satan's been bothering you. God is going to take that tonight. And put it in the same pit of fire that he's been trying to put you in. He's going to torment in the same way that the devil's been trying to torment you. Oh my, let the devils run back to the halls of hell and have their own pity party tonight. Because God's children are not having a pity party tonight. We're having a victory dance. We're more than conquerors. Hallelujah. The devil was defeated at Calvary. He doesn't have a leg to stand on. He ain't nothing but a little bluff. Now Satan... We come at this moment to challenge you. You are defeated. You were defeated since Calvary. There's not a thing you can do but offer up but a bluff. You're not anything but a bluff. We're laying out the word of the Lord God. The word of the Lord said, These signs shall follow them that believe. These people profess to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How many want to say, That's me. I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So if that's the case, he said they felt the supernatural power of God surge through them and change their lives. And what does it say? They have sympathy one to another. They're praying one for the other. Oh, Satan, you evil one, who's made these people sick. We adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, you evil one who has afflicted God's people. We adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ. You've come up with this thing called COVID. We adjure you in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is God of every moment. If the musicians want to come, there is nothing that can change that. There is nothing that can change that he is God. It doesn't matter if you're going to backslide tomorrow and run away. Say, he's no God. He's still God. Amen. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter if the U.S. Congress tries to say there's no God. He's still God. It doesn't matter if they want to kick him out of politics. He's still God. It doesn't matter if they want to take him away from church. He's still God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd encourage you tonight. Just speak Jesus. 
Don't go out there trying to do it your own self. Satan's going to come back rattling with everything he's got. Just speak Jesus. Because it's to that name that every knee will bow. That name that every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You know, the Bible said he's the same yesterday and forever. Amen. And the Bible said that right now, at this moment, he's your high priest, sitting at the right hand of the majesty, making intercessions upon your confession, and is the high priest that can be touched right now by the feeling of your infirmities. Oh, praise be to God. He's the high priest right now. Not another moment, this moment. Brother Jerry, whatever you have need of this moment. Sister Susan, whatever you have need of this moment. You've seen God heal, Brother Virgilio. You've seen God heal each one. I say, Brother Lloyd Smith, this moment. God is right there. <laughs> when you get to praying, Haman might come. There's another one that comes. You know where he's at? The right hand of God. Full power and authority. There ain't nothing that he says that doesn't come to pass. He's the almighty. He's the I am that I am. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the creator of heavens and earth. Can't help but think of that story of Brother Branham when he, we just read it last night to the children. He's up there in the Colorado Rockies. Oh yeah, and that storm come. It looked bad. Black clouds, snow began to, snow began to sleet this way and that. It was going diagonally horizontal. Great big flakes coming down. Couldn't see hardly 20 feet in front of him. It looked like all around him, maybe it was just the devil, but in all of that, God was there. It might be in the darkest, worst place of your life where he's saying, God's got to be a million miles away. He says, oh my, am I not a God that's right at hand? Am I not the God that fills all of heaven and earth? Am I not the same one that created the heaven and earth? Am I not here for you right now? Oh, we know the story. And finally, in all of that swirling clouds, everything going under, come a voice. Turn around and go back up. Oh, man, maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe I'm going insane. Maybe that's how I'm acting tonight. I don't know. But we find that in all of that, he just turned around. Oh, Lord. He turned around and walked right back into the worst storm. Right back into certain death, as far as the world would have been concerned. He just told the man earlier in his, all his survival instincts, he said, as soon as you see that first snowflake, head for camp. Here's the man that said those words. says, all right, going back. <laughs> would seem like the devil would be right there saying, but you said. <laughs> but as he got up there, God said, am I not the creator of heavens and earth? <laughs> I'm the one that stood there on, this, on the side of the boat. I'm the one that spoke, peace be still. The winds and the waves obey me. Why don't you speak to the storm? He gave him commission. He didn't say, I'm going to come down again and I'm going to speak again. He said, you speak. It was the king that said, do whatever Esther says. The devil's been given the same commandment today. Don't just, well, you got to listen to God. Do whatever thy bride says to do. If she says, get behind me, Satan, you better listen. If she says, God said, you better listen. She's my bride. She is part of me. Oh, hallelujah. I want tonight, if we just listen, I've asked Sister Angie to sing this song. 
If we just listen to it tonight, just speak, Jesus. There's power in that name. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at these things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Hallelujah. Lord, let me live in that dimension. Hallelujah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind because I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break oh declaring there is hope and there's freedom oh I speak Jesus cause your name is power your name is healing your name is life break every stronghold shine through 
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know that there is peace within your presence oh I speak Jesus cause your name is power your name is healing and your name is life break every stronghold shine through the darkness over like a fire shout Jesus from the mountain Jesus in the street Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Cause your name 